Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza on this live broadcast from Washington. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Friday, January 26, 2024. Medical officers in Upper Nile State say children are dying from preventable diseases in Nasir County. In the last three months that we have epidemics, infection, like malaria and measles outbreaks. And that uh, three months ago, and then we have more and more admission cases uh, with malaria. And a Kenyan court ruled that the country cannot deploy police to Haiti. Kenya could only deploy officers abroad if it had a reciprocal arrangement with the host government. It also ruled that only defense forces could be deployed, not security services. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Medical officers in Nasir County in Upper Nile State say measles, malaria and trachoma are threatening lives of children in the county. The area has been hit by floods, threatening livelihoods and health conditions. Mamer Abram Kwat reports for VOA from Malakal. Nial Kwat, the clinical officer at a Nasir non-profit universal network for knowledge and empowerment agency, says cases of missiles and malaria have jumped in the area. He says missiles cases have increased in the hospital and the county is waiting for the Upper Nile State Ministry of Health to roll out vaccination efforts. When I compare last year and this year, they cannot be compared so much because last year, you know that this South Sudan has been in a crisis for almost 11 years now. And this county, even civilian, was run away to the fighting system in Ethiopia. And this is the returning back. Last year, the population was less, and this year, the, the population is now rising up so much. That is why you see all those cases, all about malaria cases. And also, first it starts from July. Up to now, we have a middle case. He says floods prevented health workers from reaching remote villages in the county. Lam Wunto is a nurse at Nile Hope in Nasser Hospital. He says missiles, malnutrition and malaria are common illnesses in remote villages of Upper Nile State. In the last three months, then we have epidemics, infection, like malaria and measles outbreaks. And that uh, three months ago, and then we have more and more admission cases uh, with malaria. Then it is epidemic here in Nasser, uh, or uh, so what, uh, corridor, we have been facing many things about infection for under uh, five years old, uh, like uh, malnutrition case, malaria, and measles outbreak. He says children between five months and one year old are suffering from preventable diseases. Untau says workers are administering measles vaccines incorrectly. He says a lack of drugs has worsened the conditions of patients at Nasir Hospital. Those who are carrying the vaccine, they are not giving the vaccine in the Korea way to the children. Yeah, they are driving uh, the vaccine because they don't want to work. They don't know how to give uh, the vaccine to the, to the children. That is why we are causing a lot of outbreak here. The government to select the good professional 
and the professional will deal with other people and to select the, the medical professional to, to go to the community and assess the area where there is infection. Nasser resident Nyakim Chol says four children died of malaria this month, adding shortages of drugs and mosquito nets have contributed to death among children. The floods reach the places people inhabit and there are no spaces for building latrines. It encourages open defecation. People are many and drugs are not enough. We have shortage of food and we have lack of non-food items like mosquito nets and even soap for washing our clothes. There are infections due to poor hygiene. This is why there are diseases like malaria, measles and trauma. Paul Rudd, Nasir County Health Director, says there are many measles cases in the county. There is a lot of measles here in Nasir. In malaria cases, we have many positive. Even the one day, they should have uh, like 150 positive uh, patients who have positive. And the issue, we don't have uh, more drugs like uh, anti-malaria. We don't have, they are finished. He says the Upper Nile State Ministry of Health plans to carry out missiles vaccination campaigns in the county. We are planning for the campaign in, in this uh, coming month, which is February. Uh, I sent the micro plan from the Minister of Health in Malacca. We are waiting for it. We don't know. Uh, I asked the minister there, they say that uh, they are in planning. Maybe this month or another month, maybe the, the complaint for the measles was coming. Early this month, Isaac Kwonga Ogilo, Director General of Upper Nile State Ministry of Health, said the state health sector is grappling with lack of medicines. He said the people are unable to afford drugs when sent to purchase them in pharmacies. For VOA News, I am Amir Abram Kwat in Malakal. From Marakal, we move to the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, where a court on Friday ruled that the country cannot deploy police to Haiti. VOA's Bureau Chief, Mariama Diallo, has this report. The Nairobi High Court rejected a planned deployment of Kenyan police officers to Haiti. The ruling on Friday by Judge Enoch Chacha Muwita said Kenya could only deploy officers abroad if it had a reciprocal arrangement with the host government. It also ruled that only defense forces could be deployed, not security services. Last year, the Nairobi court suspended the government's plan to send 1,000 officers to Haiti. Three petitioners, including opposition politician and constitutional lawyer Ekuru Alcott, brought the case telling VOA at the time the proposed deployment was unconstitutional, an argument accepted by the court. In October, the UN Security Council had approved a Kenya-led multinational security force aimed at helping to combat violent gangs in the troubled Caribbean nation. Other African countries, including Chad, Senegal, Burundi, have also said they will add troops to the multinational force. While many in Kenya have questioned their country's lead role in this mission, some had been supportive of President William Ruto, who had said it's a mission for humanity and is of special significance and critical urgency for Kenyans. Violence escalated in Haiti on Wednesday as a heavily armed gang surrounded a hospital in the capital of Port-au-Prince. Police later rescued the patients. 
On Thursday, the head of the U.N. Office on Drugs and Crime warned of a vicious cycle of armed trafficking to increasingly powerful Haitian gangs, fueling an internal conflict and worsening violence across the Caribbean. Also on Thursday, Haitian Foreign Minister told the U.N. Security Council that gang violence in his country was as barbaric as the horrors experienced in war zones and once again asked for an international force to intervene. Gangs across Haiti have continued to grow more powerful since the July 2021 assassination of President Jovenel Moïse and the number of kidnappings and killings keeps rising. Mariama Diallo, VOA News, Nairobi. Partners in Food Solutions, an organization that works to improve food security, nutrition, and economic development in Africa, says Africa's food processing company's revenue increased by 20% last year. The workforce grew by 11% and the farmer supply chain saw a 50% increase. Post-harvest losses and a lack of infrastructure and investment have hindered African farmers' potential growth. Partners in Food Solutions, which works with 1.7 million farmers, notes that Africa's agricultural sector is at a turning point in creating a more resilient and sustainable food systems. Mohamed Yusuf reports for VOA from Nairobi. Over the years, international organizations partnering with experts, food processing companies and governments have worked to educate farmers on how to produce crops amid ever-changing technology and unpredictable weather patterns. A non-profit organization, Partners in Food Solutions, says that due to those efforts, African food processing companies are now starting to reap real rewards. The organization's recent report says over 200 food companies they collaborated with in the past year saw growth in their income, the workforce and the food supply they receive from farmers. Tropical Lush, a fresh fruit juice producing company in Kenya, is one of the companies that has received the support of PFS over the past 10 years. Adra Shah is the head of Tropical Lush. He says the company has increased revenue by 15% and often adds 5 to 10 casual workers to its 30-person staff to meet demand. He credits his company's growth in part to local farmers who he says have increased both their quality and quantity. Even though the global warming and rains and all that kind of stuff is, is affecting the produce, however, I'm finding that we are generally able to get much more better quality and more reliable supplies in our fruits from the farmers. And quite uh, it's happening quite well, according to me. Um, better farming techniques, a lot of better knowledge now. The farmers are able to access with smartphones and etc. They can, that they're able to predict weather patterns, they're able to see themselves, soil fertilizer, all those little, little things are probably now adding up and, and helping to benefit the farmer directly. PFS, which is headquartered in the U.S., provided expertise from food industry giants like General Mills, Hershey and Cargill to help African processors with business strategy, growth, sourcing food, food safety and quality, storage, branding and marketing. The organization says the companies it supports have increased their revenue by an average of 20% and increased food supply from farmers by 50%. John Kiragu is the regional program director for East Africa. We have managed to transfer the know-how of food um, and expertise of global food companies into Africa, and we have seen it work. So the eight 
global food companies that support us uh, as PFS and directly support the uh, the food companies in, in, in Africa have shared 800 years of combined expertise. And we are sharing with a company that, say, is three years. So you can imagine how long they would have taken to get to a point where they can you know, learn organically about this technology, about the way of doing business. Shah says his company sought advice on how to grow the company and manufacture quality products. So whenever we have an issue with shelf life, temperature, uh, cold chain, uh, we want to make a new product or new product development, there's always somebody out there who they can put us in touch with within a month and uh, we start chatting to them and they help us. Along with farming issues, African food companies often have to deal with inadequate harvesting methods, poor infrastructure and a lack of proper packaging and storage facilities. Therefore, you say sub-Saharan Africa experiences food losses as high as 50% for high-value commodities in between production and retail. Kirago of PFS says the organization is working with food producers to improve food handling practices, upgrade shipping and enhance storage facilities for agricultural produce. PFS is to make sure that there is ready and stable markets and we do this by supporting the businesses where they supply with their market. And then once they are assured of that, you can see the resiliency and the stability of uh, uh, of the entire food value chains uh, coming into, into place. Companies face issues outside the food chain as well, such as corruption, slow issuance of operational permits, and police roadblock that slow food delivery to consumers. Mohamed Yusuf, VOA News, Nairobi. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. Coming up... Chinese-made drones dominate the global markets. Find out why after the break. Hello, listener of South Sudan in Focus. We have an exciting new segment dubbed Words of Wisdom. We want to hear your thoughtful proverbs that echo through your community. This is another chance for you to share wisdom from your roots. All you need to do is record a proverb in a language of your choice, tell us its English translation and what it means. Keep it brief, authentic, and represent your community. Your recorded proverb shall be sampled on South Sudan in Focus every Wednesday. Send your recording via our WhatsApp number, plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That is plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. I'm sure you have that announcement and you are preparing to send us your proverbs. But here is a sample of a proverb from Ghana. My name is Solomon Abu. I'm from Ghana and I'm from Accra. There's a proverb in my native language, Ghana, which says, This means that you don't adjudicate the case of a goat in front of its predator. The moral lesson is that you always take care of the people that you have to protect in front of those who are coming after them before you tell them what they did was wrong. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Chinese-made drones dominate the global markets and are used widely by government agencies inside the United States. As Matt Dibley reports, U.S. cyber watchdogs warn that using those drones come with risks. 
When it comes to drones, one brand rises above all others. DJI, based in Shenzhen, China, has captured the drone market for everything from amateur photography to fighting wildfires to protecting sensitive sites. And this is a problem, say U.S. cybersecurity watchdogs. In January, the FBI and the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency warned that laws enacted in recent years by the Chinese government give it the ability to look at any data collected by Chinese firms. Drones used widely across the U.S. could become tools for spying, the agencies say. You could think of a police department in a major city using a drone where the feed might be accessible to the Chinese government. You could think of drones being used by the military, by the Forest Service, by federal agencies, uh, by fire departments. And so it, it could give you insight into the public safety structure of the United States and a little bit into the national security. The concern is not new. In 2021, DJI was sanctioned, along with other Chinese manufacturers, who the U.S. said made products that could be used for spying. And last year, the U.S. Congress passed a bill banning the purchase and use of Chinese-made drones by federal agencies, as well as state and local agencies using federal funding for the purchase. The Chinese government objects to claims of spying. The U.S. has overstretched the concept of national security and fabricates all kinds of excuses to abuse export controls to unreasonably suppress Chinese institutions and firms. The new guidance, which did not cite any specific incidents, encourages the adoption of American-made drones equipped with security features. But Chinese drones have proved reliable and far less expensive than comparable American models. The Chinese government was very strategic in subsidizing certain industries that they thought would give it an intelligence advantage. Though the U.S. Army and some federal agencies have banned the use of Chinese drones, many other agencies still use and depend on the equipment they've invested in. The new warning aims to speed up a transition, says Lewis. It makes people step back and say, it's not just the price tag that reflects the full cost of buying this drone. There's a security risk. In a statement, DJI said, customers only share flight logs, images, or videos with us if they affirmatively choose to do so, and that users can always fly offline without connecting to the Internet. With more eyes in the sky every day, questions about who is looking and why will only increase. Matt Dibble, VOA News, Oakland, California. Tuso Humalo spoke with people in Johannesburg for reaction to the International Court of Justice ruling on South Africa's petition to order a halt to Israel's offensive in Gaza. The International Court of Justice ruling today includes telling Israel to take all measures to prevent killings bodily or mental harm and destruction of life in Gaza. South African national Nadia Adams agrees with the court that no more people should die in Gaza. I can't actually explain to you how grateful I am to actually be a South African and proud to be a South African, seeing that we're actually supporting and backing the Palestinians against the Israelis because, um, I mean, we can see so many innocent people and lives have been hurt and lost. 
since the conflict began in October. The Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry has said at least 26,000 people have died, most of them civilians. Israel began its military offensive after Hamas militants attacked Israeli communities, killing about 1,200 people and taking hostage at least 240. Nagutoma Bena, spokesperson for the Johannesburg-based African Diaspora Forum, also praised the ICJ, saying that saving lives should be a priority for the world at large. We applaud the government of South Africa and we call on the progressive world to support the government of South Africa so that um, the genocide in Gaza will stop. The court, however, did not rule on the South African charge that Israel is committing genocide, saying that will be decided later. Freeman Bengu, coordinator at the United Patriotic Front, a group of civil society pressure groups, welcomes the decisions but encourages South Africa to be vigilant about what he said was the human rights crisis taking place in neighboring Zimbabwe. Our government, ANC government, has failed throughout the years to, to rein in on ZANU-PF, to rein in from Mugabe and now Mnangwangwa. And I don't see anything changing anytime soon uh, unless in South Africa there's a new government which will have a new perspective on, on how to help Zimbabweans. Karen Milner, national chairperson of the South African Jewish Board of Deputies, says although they are disappointed with the way South Africa has handled this issue, they are pleased with some of the things in the court judgment. The South African Jewish Board of Deputies welcomes the ICJ's recognition of Israel's right to defend itself and its citizens by denying South Africa's request for a ceasefire. The court's call for the hostages to be freed is a fundamental requirement for the end of this terrible conflict. Israel's government has slammed the court ruling and says it respects international law but has the right to defend itself. The South African Communist Party, a partner of the ruling African National Congress, issued a statement congratulating South Africa for the court victory. Tusokumalo for VOA News in the Kalahari Desert in the Northern Cape Province, South Africa. Hello, listener of South Sudan in Focus. We have an exciting new segment dubbed Words of Wisdom. We want to hear your thoughtful proverbs that echo through your community. This is another chance for you to share wisdom from your roots. All you need to do is record a proverb in a language of your choice, tell us its English translation and what it means. Keep it brief, authentic, and represent your community. Your recorded proverb shall be sampled on South Sudan in Focus every Wednesday. Send your recording via our WhatsApp number, plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That is plus one, two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. It's time for sampling some of your comments on topical issues on this broadcast. We begin with a voice recording from this listener. This is Peter Goshanyang with Jongdoli Jonglei State, South Sudan. As election is scheduled for 2024 in December, 
I had the government concerned to do massive disasters, especially in Jongle State and GPA, Waras and Abjad in this area, in order to collect the number of guns that civilians are having. Because what we are having with the civilians is more than guns. Thank you. Uh, Mading Malwal Alwang writes from his ancestral land of Kwachpayam. The economy is just on its knee because we cannot deal with the key economic fundamentals. Our people want their issues addressed urgently, but unfortunately the government is thinking about elections as its top priority than addressing these issues. South Sudan is not a poor country, but we are faced with serious challenges of total mismanagement of our affairs and resources. Our country earns millions of dollars daily from oil and non-oil revenues, but the cartels are the only people enjoying our natural resources. That is Mading Malwal writing. Moga Joseph in Juba writes, Hello, John Tanza. I am not feeling terrific if I hear that civilians who are doing their own businesses are being killed in Kajokeji County. This can make one to fear traveling to Morobikam in Uganda through Kajikeju by road. Mal Adaumal in Seattle, Washington writes, Hello, John and Nabil. I am much perplexed to comprehend if South Sudanese people are really in need of peace within the country. It's like they are satisfied with current broiling atmosphere. If not, then why should we be having renegades disturbing innocent locals in the villages instead? They should come to Juba, iron out their silly and senseless grudges. James Roy Majok from Bantu Town, Unity State writes, I'm appealing to Honorable Commissioner of Mayom County regarding the random killings of people within Manken Payam. As newly appointed Commissioner for Mayom County, try your level best to bring an end to the daily random killing within Mayom County, especially revenge killings between the people of Mayom. Views expressed in this segment does not represent the views of Voice of America or South Sudan in Focus radio program. Keep your comments coming. You can send a text message or record yourself and we shall sample it every Friday. Our WhatsApp number is plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. That's all we prepared for you this Friday, January 26, 2024. We now leave you with the second number one and the song Hasada Mako. <laughs> I'm 
we've been listening to Isaka number one with the song Hasada Maako. I'm your host, John Tanza, on this live broadcast from Studio 14 here in Washington. On behalf of our producer, Kwame Ofori, and engineer, Peter Heinle, we wish you a lovely evening. Remember to join us next week for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from The Voice of America.